Hello there, I am Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman, and today um, we are we are closing out our horror month with our edition. Um, we have a great topic for you. We have just had Halloween, so it was great. So tonight, um, we welcome you back to another edition of Nostalgia Time. Today I'm taking the back seat. Our host tonight is going to be none other than Thomas Puglisi. And Thomas, how are you? Happy Halloween. First off, I wanted to wish you a happy Halloween belated. A happy Halloween belated to every one of you. Some of you we had. Um, uh, Randy, I will get back to you in a moment. But first, um, how excited are you tonight for this topic? Oh, I'm pretty excited. I mean, like, I've loved um, this um, franchise that we're going to cover for years. I've been watching it ever since I was in high school. And, like, you know, I've seen all these movies several times. So I'm just really happy, that I'm, and it's definitely an overdue one, because I was hoping we were going to do this one last year, but obviously we were pretty covered last year. So I'm glad we're doing it this year. Uh, I'm very excited for it, and I, and I love this franchise as much as everyone knows. Um, Thomas, tell us what that franchise is that we're going to be explaining tonight. We are going to cover the Nightmare on Elm Street series, classic series, that's created by my hero, Wes Craven. It's a series I've loved for years, and I'm just super excited that all of us are going to talk about it. We're going to go through all the movies, with the exception of Freddy vs. Jason, since we covered that one already in our Friday the 13th one. I, although I did watch it to prepare for this one. Hmm. Let's face it, Freddy rules. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, sorry, I'll admit this going to be sort of a descending point. I feel like... Between Freddy and Jason, Freddy had the better first movie. Freddy had the better first movie, but Jason has the better franchise. I think I agree with you on that one. <laughs> and I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree, but that's me. I've never been a Jason fan, really. So I I like them more now. When I was growing up, I didn't care for Jason. So join and also joining us with us today, we have the host of Unger the Radar. My good friend, Randy Unger. Randy, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? <laughs> <laughs> also joined with him in the uh, headquarters of Unger the Radar, Forrest Bennett. Forrest, thank you for coming back on. Uh, I'm very excited for this one. And also joining us via Zoom, um, the host of Cold Cafe and also the owner of Pickle Island, Matt Roran. Pleasure to be here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good. And hopefully, um, this is just going to be a great topic for us. But first, before we go on to our topic, I just want to do Halloween. How was everyone's Halloween? First, Randy, you and I had a magnificent night on Halloween. And for Scares, the, scares That Cares... From our own friend, who will be, I uh, hope to be a future guest on the show, uh, Vincent Bonfanti. He put on a, a great party, and just for, um, also with his partner um, from Grasshopper Comics in uh, Mineola, Williston, Mineola. Um, I live right there, so I go with there all the time, so. Okay. Um, it, it was just, it was a fabulous party, and. I I want I definitely want to do it again next year if I have the chance. Um, and you know you 
you know what, Mr. Champagne, uh, there was no one I'd rather uh, spend the evening with as a Ghostbuster and to dance on the floor and make everybody happy than, than my fellow ghost head and Ghostbuster, Mr. Champagne. So thank you, Matt. Thank you. And we're going to be, it's going to be really exciting. Um, now that we're in November, November's are going to be a really exciting month for the both of us. <laughs> so um, we're going to have that. Um, and Matt, how was your Halloween? And then I uh, took the kids trick or treating, and uh, it was actually my first time going trick or treating in a couple years. Um, so that was cool. I, I had been uh, working usually during trick or treating hours uh, the past couple years. So uh, first time doing trick or treating to houses, uh, I think since I was a kid, because uh, with with my kids we uh, like. We raised our kids in Huntington, and Huntington has all the businesses do trick-or-treating, so you go up and down Main Street and New York Avenue, and all the businesses do it, and almost none of the houses participate. So this was cool because we went around uh, Glen Cove and uh, did houses. Um, Of course, it's like trick-or-treating is nothing like it was when we were kids because like 90% of the people just like don't answer the door and don't candy, which is like, it used to be like maybe like three houses on a block at most wouldn't do that, you know? And, and now it's like, Oh, nobody does that. No, no, one, no one's got candy anymore. So, uh, well, I have, well, I, I, I just, I just stuck to me on trick, uh, candy trick or treaters several years ago because I never get trick or treaters in my building. Same here. I don't get, I, I even, I even, I've, brought something to the store just in case no one no, no trick-or-treaters in the store uh, I never get them at my house so so I, I haven't I, I, I get it every year I just never never had it had a, so I always have plenty of candy for myself which is great but, uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, that was fun let me it tell was... you one thing about <laughs> trick-or-treating and I've done it too trick-or-treating is a very healthy activity Yes, you get a bunch. You get a bunch of exercise walking up to those houses, especially when you have a, a three-year-old son and you're walking up the steps with him, accompanying him, so he gets the candy and house to house to house, and then you have to carry him back because you forgot the stroller and you're very tired. <laughs> if anyone tells you that trick or treating is not a healthy activity, they deserve to get egged. So does everyone agree that if they say that trick-or-treating is not a healthy activity, they deserve to get egged? (laughs) (laughs) And and toilet paper. That too, yep. (laughs) So also with this, uh, Forrest, how was your Halloween? That was pretty fun. Uh, Well, the the, the, the night before on the 30th, uh, actually the day before on the 30th, I went to this uh, Friday the 13th bar theme. This Friday the 13th theme bar in Brooklyn called Crystal Lake. Oh, Um. Uh, I went, you know, went there and hung out with a bunch of my tro- a bunch a bunch of my buddies a bunch of my buddies from Troma, because um, they were having and like they were having like a they were having a market uh, like a Halloween marketplace there. I picked up some pretty sweet artwork, um, like including some sleepaway camp artwork and then like uh, this painting of like all the horror villains 
like Freddy, Jason, Michael, playing poker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the day, but then the day of Halloween, I went to go. I went to a, I went to a boar concert at uh, at Irving Plaza. That's great. Uh, that sounds like an excellent Halloween. It seems. Yeah, unfortunately, 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 I did not get posed with any fake blood or green slime. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for the week of the eighteenth. <laughs> oh yes, save that for that week. Uh, I went as the I went as the fiend, the uh, the mascot of the misfits. Very nice, very nice. Now, Thomas, we're taking it over to you. But first, tell us about how your Halloween was. Oh, mine was a lot of fun. I mean, I <clears throat> I pretty much entertained my um, my neighbors. Like I was dressed up as Michael Myers this year. Not so much because of the new Halloween movie, but because this year was the 40th anniversary of Halloween 2. And so I was um, being that Michael Myers in general, the Halloween 2 one. And like um, me and... Uh, mm-hmm. I that? said, did you, the, did you have the tears of blood? It did not, no. Ah. But, uh, yeah. So, like, you know, I was pretty much like, you know, standing in my driveway, like, in full costume while um, the trick-or-treaters would come right up. And a lot of them were, like, you know, super scared of me. And nice. some of them... We're still um, pretty cool, and like I stayed in character the whole time because some of them, like you know, were saying, "Hey, Michael Myers, give me a high five, but nope, I didn't do anything. Oh, oh, there. Nice. <laughs> Silence. And like, um, there was also some trick or treaters that wanted to get pictures with me. I've even had like also another trick or treater dress up as Michael Myers. So oh, I just you know, like, them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like you know, a dual picture with that trick or treater. <laughs> Did you have a scalpel or a butcher knife? Actually, there was times I had both. Like, yeah, I got t- oh, okay. I also did have a scalpel uh, as well. Also, did have a um, Hand and Field Memorial um, Hospital um, sign with me as well. How about how about a, how about a hot tub? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have gotten also hypodermic needles. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds. Uh, it seems like you had fun with it. I mean, of course. There's always Michael Myers on Halloween. There's always a kid. Michael Myers will always sell. So will Freddy Krueger. So will Ghostface. And Jason. And Jason. Oh, always Jason. No matter what. So with those further ado, Thomas, take it away. All right. So we're going to start, of course, the very first classic, Nightmare on Elm Street. A movie about a group of teenagers that have all been suffering these um, serious nightmares, being stalked by this um, figure with a burned face. And. <laughs> horse. Are those real? Are those. Uh, is that a. Is a, Are those real, by the way? Yes, they are. Oh. It's metal and deadly, too. <laughs> okay, so. <clears throat> like I was saying, and they're, they're being stalked by this um, unknown figure with a burned face who stalks them in their dreams. But what, what they don't know is that if they die in their dreams, they die for real. One of the, one of the scariest movies I have ever seen that was made by my hero, Wes Craven, who I miss very much. And... To me, this is his best movie. I know some people will probably think Scream is his best movie, or maybe some of his older stuff like The Hells of Eyes or Last House on the Left. But no, to me, Nightmare on Elm Street is his best movie. Agreed. Agreed. It holds up. It definitely holds up. 
Yep, a movie with like, you know, very dark atmosphere, some really great music, you know, great performance by Robert England, as well as also this was the movie that started the career of Johnny Depp. <laughs> that was, <laughs> you're right, that was Johnny Depp's first film. Yep. And he didn't even intend to, he didn't even intend to audition for it. Oh, really? He was, he was accompanying a friend to, to, an, to the audition, and the casting and the cat the casting director told him either audition or get out. So he stuck around and auditioned. He got the part. Oh wow! I have heard like you know that Wes Craven's daughter thought he was cute and that and she convinced him to um, take the part. Because I heard actually, besides Johnny Depp, another person that would actually auditioned for that role, believe it or not, was Mark Patton, mm. who later was in. Second movie, which we'll get into right after we're done with this one. So, yep. And uh, yeah. as the saying goes, "New Line, uh, New Line is the house that Fre- New Line Cinema is the house that Freddie built." <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, let's not forget about Johnny Depp's death scene. That was one of the best death scenes I've ever seen, yes. actually. Oh yes. <laughs> Great watching, uh, you know, on the uh, the movies they made us the Friday uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street, showing you how they did it with the upside down room and everything. Like, yeah. Like I was like, oh, you know, it's like one of those things. Like I always thought, like, wow, how did they do that? And it's like exactly watching them like explain it and everything. It's like, and then yeah. they they uh, flooded the whole thing in. <laughs> so and so like, you know, yeah. So this is pre CGI. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, like you know, effects like that one actually hold up pretty well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, the uh, the other bedroom scene, yeah, is, is one of the most gruesome like death scenes ever. First kill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a wife. Yeah. Tina, right? Tina, yeah. yeah. Tina, yeah. Yeah, I think I think with that one they achieved that just by like they actually were in a spinning room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. This is actually, yeah, for me, it was actually the uh, first movie I ever rented on DVD. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so this movie, like, it actually scared me when I first saw it when I was about maybe 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. And, like, I still actually um, think this movie holds up. I mean, it's a classic. It's um, one of the best horror movies from the 80s. Yeah. It's um, gained such a cult following that it spawned many sequels to come. And also a remake and a TV series, and also that also uh, the, also uh, this NES game, this uh, pol- very polarizing NES game. <laughs> hey, and, and not not to forget an album as well. Uh, they did put Freddie put out an album. Wow! Uh, and yes. it, Robert England is actually the the voice of Freddie on this album. Is he right rapping? Here. Is he a rapper? Uh, there is a rap song on it. Yes. <laughs> and it's not the oh man. Song. Is it? Hmm? Wait, is it? Are you ready well, for Freddy or is it a different song? Um, this song? Uh, yeah, I think it's called Are You Ready for Freddy? Oh, oh man. Huh. Okay, we gotta go with Will Smith made a song as well called Nightmare on My Street. My Street. That, that, was, was, a good, that, that was a good one, actually. It was. I mean, uh, those first couple uh, Fresh Prince albums were pretty good, so that was a good one. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I was six years old when I saw this movie for the first time. My brother was watching it, uh, I guess when it just premiered on HBO. And uh, I made the mistake and or 
not mistake to watch it with him, and it scared the living shit out of me. Uh, and to this day, I still think it's one of the scariest horror movies of all time. Yes. Uh, you know, it's so, it really just, everything about it sticks in your mind. Like, yeah. it's just so well-crafted. Yeah, I was like 12, yeah, I was 12 years old. Yeah, I was 12 years old the first time I saw it. Again, I rent, this was the first movie I ever rented on DVD, that I ever rented on DVD. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I was, I don't know if I, if I, I mean, I don't know if I thought I was so much scared as I was just like, kind of enamored with like how, with like, cause I, cause I had already seen Halloween, Friday the 13th, Friday right. to see Nightmare on Elm Street. So, but seeing Nightmare on Elm Street was like, I was just completely blown away cause it was just so different. From, yeah. from other slasher films that I had seen up to that point. Yeah, I think um, I think as far as horror movies go, for me at that age, I I had I had seen Poltergeist, which is also to me one of the scariest movies. I mean, it, you know, it's less scary now that I'm an adult, but like yeah. at the time was terrifying. And and the first House movie, um, those I had seen around the same time. But I mean, not, there was nothing like. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, like exactly. Yeah, and then for me, that was that was even after watching having watched several, even also after even having watched several Child's Play movies on top of that, which were also technically impressive, you know, like technically impressive and also disturbing, yeah. disturbing and having villain having having villains who have like one like whereas whereas like Michael, Jason, and Leatherface, they wear masks, they don't talk, and whereas Freddy was like one of the first first uh, with personality villains with a per, with a right. face and a personality. Right, right, right. And a voice. That's true. Yeah. It definitely was. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Freddie does scare me. Uh, Thomas, would you like to continue? Yes, I think it's now we continue to the sequel, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So this one picks up about a year later where, where we have a new character named Jesse Walsh who's now moved into the Elm Street house. And after he moves in, a lot of, like, you no. Know, Crazy stuff starts happening, starts having nightmares, and then he comes face-to-face with the man himself, Freddy. And then, right from there, Freddy starts possessing Jesse and starts making him kill and trying to um, live again through Jesse. So, (laughs) So this is one that's actually gotten some hate when it um, first came out. It's, to me, I'm actually um, going to openly admit I wasn't too big on this one when I first saw it. But over the years, it's grown on me, and I actually think it's actually one of the better sequels. Yeah. It's actually I, a much different Meryl Elm Street movie. I, I would say, um, like, I, I uh, for me, it was kind of, I, I kind of feel about it the same way as I feel about, uh, about as, like, say, Halloween 3, where it, it, came, it, it got a bad reputation where, when it first came out. But in all honesty, it's a good, it's a, it's a good, it's actually a pretty good movie on its own. It just feels so yes. out, out of place with the rest of the franchise, just because they changed so much as far as the, as yeah. far as like the mythology of Love Freddy is is different. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, there wasn't really too much of like you know his nightmares in this one. Yeah. yeah. So like you know it's basically it's like taking like a sh- a direction of like The Exorcist with like possessing somebody. But I mean, I really liked um, Freddy's look in this one. I thought his burns were yeah. a lot more. Yeah, I also saw like the first time we see him with like the bio claw. I also like for the fact that you know there's more like you know it gives more into Freddy's past. Like they went where they went where yeah. they where the site where the killing of the children happened because we all know like Freddy was this big 
child killer and the people of Elm Street, you know, they teamed up together to to kill him to, because over the technicality because he they thought that he was guilty. But, hey, they're, you know, lawyers always do right things over technicalities than they always happen. So sometimes what the what those uh, residents did, they took it into their own hands to uh, for their own good. But for their own good came with a price, a curse. Of their children. Of their children, of their dreams. And also, I mean, uh, this, this movie also, like, the, the you know, uh, effects of this one are no slouch either. I mean, that, that scene of him coming out of Jesse's body yes. is I love that one of my all-time favorite and the, moments. And the pool, part, the pool party mask. Pool yes. party yes. um, also, actually, also, I did, did, did think it was, I, actually, having the whole idea of, like, Freddie being an allegory for this young man's struggle with his homosexuality was pretty, was actually very interesting uh, and, like, very ahead of its time. Yeah. Yes. Now, I'd actually like to bring something up as well, is that... Recently, I actually met the star, Mark Patton, and he was such a very nice guy, but it's very sad that his career didn't really take off because yeah. of this movie. But he did have a um, documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, with, which, Matt, you actually um, show for yeah. one of your all cafes. That was one of my favorite movies of last year. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So I would say definitely check out this documentary. It's very great. Great, right. yeah. Um, and the pool party, I just want to go back. and That was so crazy what was happening in that. So many people got killed in that. Guy got frog, got boiled. But it's a, it's a little weird because Freddie kind of manifested himself out of their dreams. Like, wasn't he in real, he was in real life during that, that, that killing? Uh, yeah, I think he was. He was reborn through Jesse. Yeah. It was, it, it's a little weird for me. I don't know. But I love that. And, and uh, the, 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 the great Easter egg uh, of... Uh, Jesse's shirt in uh, It Chapter 2 is uh, Richie, who's the gay comedian played by Bill Hader, is wearing the same shirt uh, that he was in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, wow. After we leave that, that watch. <laughs> yeah, after we watch it now, too, just to see that. Yeah. Also, I just want to say before we get into the sequels, where they're uh, like uh, the rest of the sequels, I have been, I, I mentioned this on the last episode, but uh, I have been to the Nightmare on Elm Street house in Hollywood. Uh, it's uh, it's it's actually it's, yeah it's just like a couple yeah it's just a couple blocks over from the Doyle and Wall- Doyle and Wallace houses from Halloween, um, and it's very and it hasn't really changed much in the last thirty seven years. Uh, well, I, I also because we're speaking of the house, I also mentioned this in our. Um, this actually just came out in a news article for it, and um, the, okay. the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Uh, in Los Angeles is on the market. So um, I say let's put money down, chip in for a down payment, and um, yes. we have a house. And we, that's a, that's, that was like that idea. One of those marshmallow stairs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Always fun. <laughs> and that would be the new um, headquarters of Unger the Radar. And that, wouldn't that be a fun headquarters? I <laughs> campaign, too. I love the idea, Matt. I, but yeah, we'll, we'll table that for the time. Being. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say, I, I would say, if the Myers house can be turned into an office space, the nightmare, then, then so can the nightmare, then so can the nightmare on Elm Street house. Yes, <laughs> definitely. 
It could okay. it could be also like the Amityville Horror House. I don't know, but <laughs> it is interesting to see. But yeah, as far as far as the Nightmare on on Elm Street two, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I think it was pretty far a good sequel. Though you know, in my lifetime, I'd never seen it in theaters until. But I actually did see it. I actually did see it see it in Nighthawk a few years ago. Yeah, we did a double feature of of that and and, and the first movie. Yeah, that was actually my first um, retro picture show. Oh yeah, and, and that was amazing. So because it was the it was the only one I hadn't seen on the big screen, so I was very excited. It's a shame. It really is a shame that Mark Patton's career never really took off. Yeah, he is very good in this. I mean, he, he is. is. In yeah. fact, when I met him, actually, he's. He actually told me, like, uh, I told him I saw this documentary and really liked it. And he told me that he's actually now working on getting back into acting. Nice. I checked his filmography and he's, he's been getting more acting roles in the last, like, decade than he did in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So things have changed and is looking up for him. Yeah. Yep. Very well. Now, um, Thomas, are you ready for the third the third one? Oh, yes, I am. So rocking with Dokken. <laughs> yeah, it, ta- it takes a guitar solo. It takes a guitar solo and high, vo- high pitched vocals to kill Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yep. So now the third movie, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. So this one's about a new character named Kristen Parker, who is like just has had nightmares about Freddy, and now is put into a um, institution called Weston Hills where she meets a new group of teenagers that have all been suffering the same nightmares by Freddy. And while in that um, ward, she meets Nancy Thompson, the main girl from the first movie. And so Nancy is now trying to help these, <clears throat> these teenagers battle Freddy into um, their dreams by letting them know about Freddy's origins with like that their parents are the ones that burned him alive when he was a human. So now they must fight back and stop him once and for all. So this one has personally been like my second favorite behind the um, first movie. I've always thought this was actually like the best um, sequel. I would say third favorite for me. Third favorite? Yeah. So like, I just really like the whole story about um, the, um, the kids of Elm Street now fighting back at Freddy. So they're not running away from him anymore and not trying to um, yeah. escape also, his rap. Yeah, I think it also helped that Wes Craven wrote, co- co-wrote this one. So there's it, more connection to the, to the original. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they brought back, of course, Nancy. Also brought back her father, John Saxon. And, of course, like, we still got um, Robert England as always. Freddie. And also, this is, this is also the, film, the feature film debut of Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Patricia Arquette, yeah. An early exactly. role from uh, Lawrence Fish- Larry Fisher, Larry Fisher, Fisher. Who, who at the time at the time this movie was made at the time this movie was made, he was best known as Cowboy Curtis on PB's Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing to think about. Think about that one. Well, especially at that time, going from a uh, 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 a colorful children's sh- children's show to doing a slasher flick at the same time. Yeah, yeah. it worked. The- Hey, you know, you can be actors in one part where you're in children and then you can see the side in the horror. Yeah. 
It, I mean, let's put this. Let's put an example to that. Paul Rubens, who is kind of like uh, Pee Wee Herman, but then we see him in Batman Returns in a more like darker, and then. But that was after. But that was after Pee Wee's Playhouse ended, and after he had his big scandal. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's keep away from that. But anyway, for Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three with the Dream Warriors, I thought I thought it was very good. I do, I did like that they brought back Nancy, um, uh, in that film for it. I think it was a a, a really good film. Um, yeah. And again, Freddie does is Freddie does his genius. I, I gotta say, Robert England. There's no, I mean, let's just put it this way: he is the only Freddy Krueger. That. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did also notice that this one started like you know um, having Freddie crack some jokes like the liners began yeah, here. Liners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like this long line. What's wrong, Joey? Feeling a little tongue tied? <laughs> or when he, or when, he, or when uh, the girls, the girls in the waiting room watching te- television, and uh, he come, he pops out of the TV yeah. and tells her, "Well, she first of all, first he kill, well, first he kills Jaja Gabor, and then and who was just playing herself." And then he pops out of the TV and grabs the girl and tells her, well, it's a fun time, bitch. It's also like the the first movie where, like, I mean, in, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, like, the kills are creative, but in this movie is where they start to get, like, really creative, which yeah. is, like, which continues the fourth and fifth one. Uh, you know, and I get well in the sixth one as well, but like I mean, the three, four, five have like the most weird, creative like kills, and yes. you know, this yeah. one definitely yeah. has some of my favorites. The one where, where this kid's tendon, he's a that, that was this one. Yeah, like his veins come out of his arms and legs. They <laughs> <laughs> just flings him off the. Yeah, because the kid himself was a was a puppeteer. Absolutely love that. That's one of my favorite kills. The um, giant vision yeah. of Freddy's face in the night. I mean, as a bear, um, yeah, the puppeteer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the effects were like you know his veins sticking out of his arms and legs, incredible up to this very day. Yeah, yep, very disturbing. (laughs) Most of those kills were very disturbing, yet very creative. Like even like a, a, I'm just going to be saying a killer today wouldn't even kill like that. It's like not even possible. You know what? I I just remembered that the director of this is Chuck Russell, Russell who did yeah. Mask and Eraser, <laughs> and he also did um the Blob remake. That's, yes. you, yeah, that's more in tune with with this movie, but yeah. but Eraser, <laughs> the mask, I don't know. Your luggage. Yeah. I feel like the, well, actually, actually, I feel like actually I feel like the mask is at least to, at least closer because uh, you know first of all. Both, both this and Nightmare, both that and Nightmare on Street Three were both new line cinema movies. Right. Also, The Mask was originally intended to be more dark, a, a, a darker movie. Right. Like, they, like, like originally they wanted to make it more like a like their new. They wanted to make The Mask the new Freddy. Like it was, they wanted to make it more like the comic, which were very gory. Yeah. Right. But they got Jim Carrey instead. <laughs> so it worked. It definitely worked. I mean, and for the, and for the way that it came, like you know, for the Dream Warriors to come as a team to work together, um, t- to get to to get rid of Freddy. Hey, I believe also uh, like this game. Also, the, the this movie was also the, became the inspiration for the Nintendo game because the Nintendo game 
uh, you play as the Dream Warriors. Like, you can be a wizard, you can be a ninja. What year was the game? Uh, 80, I want to say it was 89. Okay. Yeah. Around this time when 3 came out was when, uh, I mean, horror got really big uh, for kids, which is, like, so crazy to think about because I was... Now, especially nowadays. I was, like, in fourth grade. I had a Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Krueger folder for my fourth grade. <laughs> really? Like, I, I have it somewhere in my house. I was looking for it, but I couldn't find it. But it has my, like, schedule from fourth grade on the inside. But uh, it was a... I had Freddy, like, on the, on the front. I had a folder. I had, like, toys. They had those Fright Flicks cards, which had, like, images from, you know, The Fly and, like, Fright yeah. Night and, like... And a pencil sharp. The talking... The, they also had that talking... They also had the talking doll. Talking doll. Uh, there was my Halloween costume that year. There was also Freddy a pinball... Uh, there was also a... There was also a pinball machine. Yes. Uh, which, if you if you go to Barcade in... If you go to Barcade on St. Mark's Place... Yes, there. They have it there. They have it, yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing because it's, like... We were also, like, all, me and my friends were, like, so obsessed with, like, Nightmare on Elm Street at this time, and, and, like, most horror movies in general, and it's, like, weird to think, like, that was fourth grade, and, like, now I have kids, and, like, my, like, my kids are, always ask me, like, can we watch Child's Play, which is, like, oh, it's, like, okay, but I'm, like, I, I'm, like, I did what I was doing, so, okay, but. But yeah, it's like, yeah, but you think about it, they don't really market those kind of, they don't really market, like, horror, like, yeah. horror movies to kids these days. These day. that, yeah. that was the rate, like, back in the late 80s, early to mid-90s, they marketed the most Oh, yeah, well, look at, like, every, every R-rated movie had toys. Every, yeah. every yeah. single yeah. one of them. Predator. Robocop, Alien, <laughs> Toxic Avenger, Swamp yeah. It, it was it, it, that was like the perfect time. There was like no care in the air for those for those times. And I wouldn't have changed a minute of it. I love their definitely not. Definitely not. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and it's I mean, I would love to get an old NES and put that video game in and just see. I can. I I know that they also did from Nintendo. They also did a Friday the Thirteenth of Jason. I have that one too. And also, if you guys ever want to do a game night, I can bring my bring uh, bring my NES, so we can fire it, fire it up, and we can record our uh, our reactions. Yeah, I love that idea. That could be something on the on the table. That could, be, and you know what? I would say I would love them to have like those kind of games because you have Resident Evil right out there. You have, um, you have all so these cool. other uh, hardcore games. Dead. It's yeah. time to reimagine and have a game of. Freddy Krueger or Friday the 13th or Texas Chainsaw Massacre for PlayStation 5 or on on the personal computer to play whenever you want. It's time. I mean, there is there was a Friday the 13th game that, that, that came out a few years ago, but uh, they, stopped, they stopped doing upgrades to it because of uh, that whole legal battle uh, between Sean, Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller. Was this yeah. in the uh, no, it came out. No, it just came out like within the last like two or three years. Oh, really? How did you play it? I not yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the other major horror franchise. But to my knowledge, like none of the other major horror franchises besides Alien mm-hmm. uh, has gotten uh, has gotten has gotten a, a modern video game. Yeah. Very well. Well, that will be another topic to speak about. Uh, but Thomas, going back to Friday thir- uh, to Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Yep. So I think it's now we move on to the fourth movie, 
Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. So now this one picks up a year later with the um, three survivors of the um, Dream Warrior. And so Freddy is now resurrected from the dead and goes after her, the three of them. <laughs> I heard that, that part. <laughs> and now goes after the three survivors and one by one kills them. But then Kristen then transfer her power to her friend Alice and snap how Freddy's now using that power that she was given to invade Alice's friends until Alice now oh, has to realize she must fight back and end Freddy once and for all. So this one I do think is actually a pretty good addition to the series. I don't like it as much as I liked um, Dream Warriors no. because... Yeah, because in general, I didn't really care for them killing off the um, three survivors, like especially yeah, that I mean, early in the movie. That's something they that's like about a lot of like horror sequels is they'll bring back actors from previous movies just to kill them off. Yeah, yeah. It seems pointless. Yeah, so I didn't really like that they killed them off like that early in the movie. They could have at least had them a little more. Like maybe if they wanted to kill them off, they could have just killed them off maybe in the middle or the end. Yeah. yeah so, but Alice was actually a pretty cool character and. I did really like, like, you know, her battle with um, Freddy at the end. Especially, like, um, that whole fight in that um, big, like, church-like setting. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we got we get the... That was the... Wait, was that the one? I, I always get four and five confused. The, with the, the... All the souls in his body? Yeah, oh, that's the souls in his body, like, you know, just come around and start ripping him apart. Absolutely, like... That's this one also had, the, had, had, had like that, they had that peat, that scene with the peat, with the pizza of souls. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember catching, yeah, I remember catching this one in Dream Warriors in a double feature at Retro Picture Show. Yeah. Yeah, I was there too. This, this was the first one that I saw in a theater when it was new. My friend uh, Tom's mom brought us to go see it. So I, I got to see this, five, uh, well, this, and then all the rest in the theater, so. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I remember uh, my friend Mike, the one who runs Retro Picture Show, told me that uh, this was the first one he saw in theaters. <laughs> yeah. And here's actually, like, you know, a little fun little fact was, like, there was a little restaurant in the movie called The Crave Inn, which was a, um, yeah, well, not a Crave Inn. Yeah, this was also uh, Ray, director Rennie Harlan, one of his early, his one of his early Hollywood, because he he prior prior to making movies in Europe, but this was one of his first movie, one of his first uh, American movies, right? And the Long Kiss Goodnight, Cliffhanger, Deep Blue Sea, yeah, and then Cutthroat Island, which sank, cut which sank, which sank Carolco. Yeah, yeah, there. Well, before this, he made a movie called Prison, which was a pretty good uh, 80s horror movie. He actually did a little nod to that movie, like there was a, a poster for that movie in the background. Cool. Very nice. I also like the soundtrack. I would say this one had like had the probably had the most uh, unique sound, the best like soundtrack of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, like you had like all sorts of names you had because you had Drama Rama, uh, Vinny Vincent Invasion, Fat Boys. Sinead yeah. O'Connor, um, oh god, like Bill, I think Billy Idol and Blondie also contributed to the soundtrack too. Oh, wow. 
It was like an all yeah, they had like an all star soundtrack for this one. That is interesting. Although I do have to see what it would say. I do want to come up with that album that uh, Robert England did for the, the Freddy Krueger album. That's one I'm thing sure in my mind right now. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely on YouTube because I, uh, I, I, uh, when I did the playlist for Nightmare on Elm Street 2, the uh, documentary, uh, Scream Queens, I uh, threw on like half the record on the playlist. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. And for that, uh, I, I'll be honest with It's been a long time since I've seen it. I actually didn't watch it recently. I'm sorry on that one. But, I I mean, it would it's definitely a good continuation to it. One thing I like about the Freddy Krueger is that it was pretty much continuation after continuation, even to new, but then continuation. It, it, it left off. It was, so far, it's been consistent to that area. Uh, to agree, I mean, I always really like that they brought back like previous characters because something I've always noticed in the Nightmare, I mean, in the Friday Thirteenth series is like they always like you know introduce new characters that weren't even in the previous movies, with the exception of ones like Tommy Jarvis and also um, Alice from the first movie just coming back just die in the, first, yeah. in the beginning of the second movie, uh, or like Halloween where uh, I don't know they they. They 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 have they bring back characters, but then they kill them off, but then they bring them back in another continuity, and yeah, yeah. I definitely like the whole series being like a a continuation of itself and being all like one universe, uh, which is something that Child's Play, uh, you know, has done as well. Even as weird as the Child's Play movies got, and then, like, even, like, with Chucky, it's like they're all, you know, on TV, this TV show right now, but it's all, like, it's all part of the same, like, universe. Like, they talk about each thing, so. That's awesome. And to this, and to this note, you know, it's, it's still going strong, and... Um, I know there's a couple more movies in the franchise that Thomas you're going to be talking about. Um, keep going. Okay, so now on to the fifth movie, Nightmare on Elm Street Five: Dream Child. So this one picks up a year later, and Alice and her boyfriend Dan are now have now graduated. <clears throat> but then, what do you know? Freddie now comes back again through resurrection like bringing his mother back and like being reborn but then right after freddy kills um dan we find out that um alice is now pregnant with dan's child and so now now with um with um alice's unborn child freddy is now trying to become reborn through her child and so now now they have to find out how to um stop freddy once again but they they have to find the um, remains of Freddy's um, mother, Amanda Krueger, in order to finally kill him. So, <clears throat> and this for this one in particular, like you know, this one's gotten like a lot of mixed opinions. I mean, I do agree. This is where it started going a bit downhill. Like I wasn't the biggest oh, fan of this one. Um, it's it's a bit downplayed, like you know, compared to three and four. I mean. It's growing on me a little bit, though. I mean, there's times I do enjoy some parts of it, 
But I do think it is one of the weaker entries. I mean, this one went a little more too comedic for me, like with yeah, like you know, Freddy I, like turning himself into a superhero. Him actually, I feel like I feel like this one this one is like very totally inconsistent because yeah. on one hand you got Freddy cracking jokes, on the other hand it's trying to be like a darker, more gothic, more gothic entry in the franchise. Yeah, definitely. I mean the opening. I mean the opening. The opening soundtrack. Were kind of, when I, I mean, like when you hear the op- the uh, the opening theme for this one, you think you you, you think the Undertaker's going to come out. <laughs> but uh, is this the one where Freddy has sunglasses and he's like? No, that was the no. one. Oh, is this the one where I think uh, for what it is is that? Because I I'd be because I haven't seen this one recently too. But this is, I believe this is the one where, like, a little Freddy just, like, pops out and becomes, like, a little monster. Is that, if th- that's that, yes. this, yeah, okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is one of, uh, this one and the next one are the only two, are the only Nightmare movies that I have not seen in theaters yet. Ah, uh, well, had I not seen them when they came out, I probably would not have seen them in theaters. But I saw them when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, I, I I still have my 3D glasses somewhere from from the second one uh, from six. <laughs> but yeah, actually, if you actually if you're ever, if you guys are ever at the Museum of the Moving Image, they have uh, Freddy's like sweater of the soul, like his uh, yeah, own, stretched out one. Yeah, yeah, they have they have that on display at the Museum of the Moving Image. I always wonder which one that was from. But yeah, yeah that was from, yeah, yeah it was from this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really do like a Dan's death scene. It was very graphic with all the wires going right into his face. That was cool. I'll admit, that was cool. Oh, yeah. And I even heard that they filmed that scene a lot more graphic than what was shown in the movie, but they had to yeah. trim it a bit because it would have gotten the X rating. Yeah, I get, I get a very... I don't know, his, like, when, he, when, he get, when he's getting... getting when he's, like, getting, like, uh, ingr- like with all the motorcycle innards and shit, it's... It, I, it reminds me of like something HR Giger would, would, would come up with. I feel the need, the need for speed. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, super fr- the super Freddy scene is like so, bad, like so she so bad. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like Freddy turns himself to a superhero in this. Yeah, he becomes super Freddy. He also like you know um, comes in as a chef as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think the whole thing about like I mean, actually, I think that's one of the one area where they, actually I think uh, like the whole thing with the, with the supermodel and like her having an eating disorder. I think that's something, something they probably could have played up more. They could have uh, played up more, like Freddie, you know, because like, like like basically Freddie play, play, you know, like just like the second movie with with the homosexuality. This one, like they, I feel like Freddie could like they could have Freddie playing up. Uh, more, they could have had Freddie playing up more uh, his victims as uh, their issues and their anxieties. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think also, like, since I just mentioned him turning into a superhero, I think, like, you know, when he also kills that guy, like, turns into paper, it was supposed to be some kind of, like, homage to the Take On Me music yeah. video. Right, 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 yeah. I feel like, but I feel like, I mean, yeah, I just noticed, I, I realized that this one actually has the lowest body count of the whole franchise. Yeah, yeah there's all three kills in this one. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and also, it's also, it seems like 1980, like, it's, this one was clear, coming off of coming off of off of Dream Child. This one was clear, uh, Dream Child, uh, Dream Master. This one was clearly a rush job. Um, yeah. Like nineteen eighty nine was just it just seems like that, but just in general nineteen eighty nine was a bad year for the big three of slashers. Yeah. We also had Halloween five and Jason takes Manhattan. Jason takes Manhattan. I personally love. I mean, yeah, it's enjoyable. I mean, yeah. it's enjoyable, but still like coming off, but still like uh, it's it just didn't live up to. The it hype. was more the year of science fiction. 
and Adventure. And, and Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to mention Stephen Hopkins, the director of this. Uh, he did Predator 2, Predator which I enjoyed. Much uh, better success with that one. Um, you know, Lost in Space, <laughs> <the remake. laughs> and um, yeah, he's done uh, The Ghost in the Darkness, uh, Judgment Night, Blown Away. These are some really quality action films, so it's, it's a shame that this movie didn't live up to his, uh, his reputation. As I understand, there was like some cla- there was like some like, there was a lot of like con- a lot, since this was a rush job. Also, yeah. like some con- like a lot of like conflict between him and and New Line mm-hmm. over the direction yeah. of the movie, which is why it came out so totally inconsistent. Interesting. Yeah, and actually, like you know, happened the same with Halloween Five as well because it was a rush job. They were trying to get it out time for the Halloween season, so they didn't really focus too much on the script for that movie. They just kind of like wrote it and just immediately like started filming. Or the mask. Somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so around that time, but let's just face it, 1989 was a, a big year for movies. As as you know, what like you said, Randy, about Batman, and of course, the beloved Ghostbusters 2. And the list goes on, really. But still, like, I, I, 1980, I just, yeah, 1989 just seems like a very, it was like a, it felt like a very underwhelming year for horror. Mm. Especially for the big three. But we've got so much better, so many great movies to just compensate, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, this was really, like, the end of the 80s was, was like, the death rattle of slashers. And that's, that's why Scream was so important was like Scream was the rebirth uh, because every slasher that pretty much came out like 1988 to, you know, 1995 was garbage, though. So. <laughs> I mean, I, the curse of Michael Myers wasn't bad. No, it was bad. I liked it. But yeah, I, I think, think, think you know, that in hindsight, I think, is a lot better. I think the only of that time period were Wes Craven's new Nightmare and Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually. Yeah. I like Charles Way 3 as well. Yeah. I gotta rewatch all of them. But the, I, I think, <laughs> what is. What's the next one in the Freddy franchise? Was it Wes Craven's oh. Human Nightmare or was it. Oh, Freddy's Dead. Oh. Freddy's Dead, which rolled a John in a little bit. Freddy's Dead. Take that one. Alright. Yeah, 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 that one That one actually came out 30 years ago this year. Oh, wow. So, Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, the sixth installment, and fortunately, one of the worst ones in the series. I would probably put this one as my second in the worst. <laughs> yeah. So, now this one picks up years later. Okay, I, I, I think if I were to say, I think if this were, if, the, if you're just going purely by like the original, by just the, by just the main, by the original uh, timeline and not, uh, not the remake, this would be my least favorite. No, I've still never seen the remake, but, uh, I, I, yeah, it's definitely say that this is, like, my least favorite. Yeah. So, now, this one picks up years later, and we're introduced to a new character who doesn't have a name. He's just simply just known as John Doe. So, like, after an encounter with Freddy, he's now lost his memory and moves on to this um, new town. And... Now they like you know bring him to Springwood, which is now abandoned. There's no children there. He's and 
they're trying to like you know get his memory back but as they um try to search for his memory they find out that um freddie actually had a kid years ago and they think he's the um the kid but little do they know he's not so we find out that freddie has a um a daughter that he um lost years ago and so now he um comes face to face with his um daughter and played by lisa zane who was billy zane's real life sister so he tries to um recruit his um daughter but she wants nothing to do with him and so now um she must figure out how to once and for all kill freddy and end his reign of terror once and for all so now this one as i said it's my least it's one of my least favorites i mean it's there's times where I do find it kind of like so bad it's good. I'll admit that. Like there's times I like laughing at it. So there's some some funny jokes here and there, but yeah. I mean I don't really like that um, this one like discontinued um, the fifth movie. I mean because I really think they could have um, continued with um, Alice's baby. Like maybe he's like older now or something. Which I actually heard what I, they. Uh, I have a feeling what, that Al, that, Al, that Alice now is knowing seeing what happened to all her friends. I feel like after she, I feel like she probably hightailed it out of, out of Springwood with, with with the kid with her kids. So, oh, you have a good point on that, actually. Okay, um, yeah, but but yeah, this one is this is wait was this was this too cartoonish for my taste? Coming up, like it was just way too cartoonish for my taste. Oh yeah, like because there's literally a scene that looks like a Roadrunner thing where he like pushes a bed of spikes, and yeah. there's also a scene with him playing a video game, video and also with her hands to the power glove. <laughs> And then, uh, that's when you put on your three glasses. Yep. <laughs> I, although I do, I do like a couple things. There, I like, you know, I like the the opening song by the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, me too. Which, uh, which kind of surprised me that that was the Google Doll, Goo Goo Dolls because hey, like, their early stuff was so good. Yeah, their early stuff was a lot heavier. Like they they were much heavier band when they started, and, that, and then they became like just another like alternative band by the end of the nineties. Yeah. Um, but uh, but and then, and then also this one has I, you know it basically has an all star cast. Yeah. Uh, I mean between you know, you've got Jafet Cotto, Roseanne, Tom Arnold, Kyle Cooper, Iggy Pop, Breckin Meyer, Johnny Depp. Breckin Meyer's first film. <laughs> this is his debut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's actually a part I do like since you mentioned Johnny Depp. I actually do like his um, cameo. I cameo, thought yeah. that cameo was very funny. I was like yeah. laughing at that scene. I mean, pretty much shows up, like, you know, at there's a little drug commercial that hits him in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> so he gets owned by Freddy twice. <laughs> it just shows that they all want to come back again to have more Freddy. <laughs> now, I mean, he, he is responsible for launching a lot of our careers, so. Yep. That is great. But yeah, if, if, the re- if it wasn't for the remake, this would be my least favorite of the franchise. Yeah, I think same with me as well. And, and I feel like the idea of, like, you know, I, I kind of appreciate that they, again, they try to expand the mythos or expand on Freddy's background, but uh, it just gets overshadowed by all, by, by all this inane cartoonish, by this excessive cartoon, by like this very cartoonish tone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do like the 3D stuff at the end. I'll I'll admit that as well because like I'm a bit of a sucker for 3D. I'm gonna actually admit that. I mean, that's one of the things I liked about the third um, Friday the 13th that it was. Well, that's 3D. Like, so funny that it took them this long to incorporate it into a Nightmare on Elm Street movie when like Friday the 13th 
did it in the third one, and then like it's like yeah, they like I, I think yeah, they, I, I, yeah, yeah, because by the early nineties, nobody cared about nobody cared about three D anymore. Oh no, it was like uh, well, it, it's, it came back with this weird like resurgence that like did not stick because it was this, and then Revenge of the Nerds uh, had the TV movie that was also in three D. Oh, and uh, they did like it was like. You get your 3D glasses at 7-Eleven with, you know, or in TV Guide. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then it's like everything else, like, they made some plans and then just dropped it and 3D was dead again. Oh, and uh, the uh, Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour, they did a 3D uh, presentation on NBC or ABC or one of them. Yeah. Well, besides that, it was like... Well, actually, I do remember, actually, now that, I remember, now that, you, now that you mentioned, I think, I do remember, actually, I remember back in, like, it was, like, the, I want to say it was, like, the mid to late 90s, Nickelodeon did, like, a week of, like, 3D shows. Yep. Um, with nothing, with not yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And 3D did have a resurgence back in, like, late 2000s yeah. Yeah, in the theaters. Nowadays, now, well, nowadays, 3D is just an excuse to, to get extra cash from uh, theater yeah. camera. Oh yeah, it's a it's still a gimmick. Thank you. So I mean, I I haven't really seen any other three D films after that since. I think the last three D film I saw was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and that was it. Maybe Avatar, but. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, going and then, I mean. I did not really care about the, that film as well. So, I mean, it was okay, but yeah, not not my least favorite. It was my least favorite. But the other one, I had a Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which you're about to talk. I actually enjoyed that one. So, Thomas, yeah. take that one away. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to say that the synopsis of this one's a little hard to um, subscribe, describe. Um, so, this one is... Um, this one's actually a standalone um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah, so it's not actually a sequel, even though it's um, labeled as the seventh entry in the series. <clears throat> so this one is based in reality, where um, Freddy, like, um, is like now in the real world, but it's not really um, Freddy. It's more of a demon that actually latched onto the likeness of Freddy and is now going after the stars of the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So. He's going after um, Heather Lankenkamp specifically because she was the actress who played Nancy and who's the one who first defeated Freddy. So he's going after her and starts um, basically toying around with her. Starts like, you know, like coming into like her son's um, nightmares as well as also like um, killing um, her her husband. And so now, now... Oh, Heather Lankenkamp's now got to um, figure out how to um, stop this um, entity before he um, becomes, like, full and enters the real world. So this one, like, um, I always really liked this one. I really liked how Wes Craven, like, finally came back and pretty much, like, you know, brought um, dignity back to Freddy and made him um, dark and sinister again and not making him, like, comedic and cracking one-liners and nearly every scene and I really also um, like um, the look he gave Freddy like giving him um, this um, this jacket and like um, giving him like this um, this bio claw that's got like um, 
skeleton on the front of it. And also, and, uh, and also, like I said, like he's, instead of being burned, he's like got like all these like, just like, he's just has, like exposed muscle. Yeah, like, it's yeah, I, yeah. Like, I really like you know liked. Um, but to me, this is my favorite. Yeah, this is, to me, overall, this is my favorite look of the whole franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Freddy's never looked better. Yeah. I also really liked um, Freddy's world in this one. Like when they go right to um, his um, dream world, like it's almost like a like a big dungeon. Yeah. So. Was yeah. there like a pterodactyl that flies? Yes, there was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I also really like that part where, like, you know, he appears like in the sky and starts lifting Dylan up on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> god, I could probably. Oh god, I could. Pro- you could probably make a whole drinking game out of uh, out of the n- number of times they say Dylan in this movie. <laughs> now Dylan was the um the one the actress who played Nancy's son. Ego Hughes from Kindergarten Cop and Pet Cemetery yeah. and Apollo Thirteen. Yeah, He's also in the episodes of Full House as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really liked also the um, homages to the first movie, like when um, Heather's like walking up the stairs, like she steps in like these mud puddles. Yeah. And also like um, when she kills um, her friend, like drags her up on the um, on the wall, just like we did to um, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah to like the first kill in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the the. The meta-ness of it all, I just really enjoyed because it was a fresh take uh, on, on the whole thing. And, you know, I feel like that whole uh, experience of doing the, the meta horror is, is really a lot of what influenced Scream to, to even exist was like, you know, working on this film and like kind of like, like, oh, if horror movies were real, like... So this movie yeah. is like the prototype for Scream. It really, we really felt, felt like it, yeah. 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 And I feel like it's yeah. also, it was also the perfect ending to the original Nightmare. It was kind of like an, an end to Robert England's Freddy in from the, the orig, from the Nightmare series. Though I'm glad they brought him back for Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Here's something I also want to mention about this movie since like, the Halloween series has been like you know doing like you know the anniversary movies with Halloween H two O and also like um, with um, the fortieth anniversary of um, with Halloween twenty eighteen. But this actually was did something that this was the tenth anniversary. So this one was actually an anniversary movie before the Halloween yeah. movie doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, H two O was the uh, or H twenty was the twentieth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was the tenth anniversary of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And they and they acknowledge that they're making the ten that they're making the tenth anniversary yeah. sequel. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. So it's also crazy to think like that whole franchise was was just within ten years. It's like the Beatles. How it's like compared to like together for like ten compared years. to like Halloween and Nightmare almost compared to like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, which had you know at that point they had, had well Halloween hadn't had as many movies at that point. There, I mean, there was at the time. I mean, back in 1984, there was only five of them. Whereas Friday the 13th had nine movies. Yeah. And felt like, and you know, it, it definitely felt. You could definitely feel like it had been going on a lot longer. Yeah. So let if we put it this way, yeah, yeah, also, Jason is the three, three, what, three movies or four movies by the time Nightmare on Elm Street one even came out. Four, so, four, four. They had four already out. So it's crazy to think. So if we looked at it, Jason is the father. Michael Myers is the mother. Freddy is the baby. <laughs> well, 
Okay, we're talking. Okay, brothers, three brothers. We talk. Okay, so three brothers. Jason's the older brother. Michael Myers, the middle child. Jason well, and Freddy's the baby. <laughs> Leatherface is the dad, I'd say. I'd say he's more like came out on before um, all of them. Right, right. Leatherface would be the father, yeah. Uh, Norman Bates would be the grandfather. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, it is such a good franchise. And I know how this is. And it was in 2000, like a few years after Freddy vs. Jason, they did the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. The, to, to cash in on the success of the Halloween and Friday the 13th remakes. Uh, Thomas, if you yeah. you do not have to really say anything about it. Let's just give our reviews on what you, what you had to I say. Actually, like, there's not really much to say about this remake. It's, um, not, I wouldn't even, like, you know, really recommend it. It's, I... Yeah. This was made by Platinum Dunes, which was Michael Bay's company, and like they did like other remakes like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the Thirteenth, Amityville Horror, and The Hitcher. Last House on the Left. Was that Platinum Dunes? I was. I forget. I don't know. Um, I know they. I know they produced the. Ninja, they also did. They did produce the uh, the Ninja Turtle movies from that from. Yeah. 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 They also produced um, the Purge movies and um, Quiet Place movies. So, I mean, like, I don't think they're doing any more remakes because this was their last remake they did. So, I don't think they are doing one, and I'm fine with that. I mean, this one, it's like, it's like, it's, you got, it actually has a very sad, it actually, like, like it also, it has a, actually a very, like, seasoned, like, well, a lot of them went, went on to become seasoned actors, but, like, looking, but, like, this, re, I'm surprised at how stacked the cast was for this one. I mean, Rooney Mara, Clancy uh, Brown, Clancy Brown, Connie Britton, Katie Cassidy, mm-hmm. and Jack Hero Haley as Freddy. Um, well, actually, actually, I would say Jackie or Haley was a was a good Freddy, but the thing oh, is, yeah. England had already made the role his own. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I think that Jackie or Haley were fine. I mean, he was pretty much like the saving grace of this one. Like, frankly, yeah. the only thing, like, because I didn't think Rooney Marilyn was a good Nancy. Like, she was no, very I, bland. Like, that was she, my problem. Actually, my my problem with this one was actually it was just like the the were, were the prota- were like the protagonists. They were kind of, they weren't very interesting. The dream the dream sequences weren't very interesting. Um, Jackie Earl Haley is a very very. It was actor. pretty much like a little copy, but did not serve up to the original. If they yeah. if, if they pers- if they followed uh, Freddy Krueger's life as a young man up until his middle age, I think that would have been an interesting story. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, like it could have been like a prequel like movie. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, but I kind of like how they did like. Well, let's put another movie out there that did, like, an origin story. I mean, yeah, we had Leprechaun Origins, which was horrible. Um, but I would, like yeah. This had, you know, but this one, given that it had, the, like, it had the highest budget of the whole franchise, and, like, a much bigger budget, uh, more and more names, I, I feel like they could have done, some, done something a lot more, a lot bigger and more, like, like something, like, like, Something respectful for the source material. Respectful for the source material. Well, and also just like more, like something that could really, that really could have wowed audiences, but it just felt so. Something was definitely off. Which is under, funny. yeah, it was just so, it was just so drab and boring, and, yeah. and to me, like the word yeah. that to me, I would like, I would sooner sit through like, like, I, like as bad as much as I dislike uh, Freddy's Dead and Dream and Dream Child and Dream Child, they were at least, they were at least entertainingly bad. Yeah. 
I think Jack Earl Haley was fine. I mean, like he was kind of like the reason why I was looking forward to it in a, a little bit because at the time I just saw him as, as Rorschach in the yes. Watchmen. Yes. So, and I thought he was really good in that. So yeah, he was. So I think he could have been a, a good Freddy. And something I didn't really like was how they CGI'd some of his burns. I mean, that was very unnecessary. They could have just used makeup. Makeup, yeah. Yeah. It's bad when they got too lazy to even like put makeup on. It's like yeah. that's that's how bad like how bad CGI got. Where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we don't need to put makeup on him. We'll just CGI it in. It's like if you ha- if you do that with everything, it's like it, it's same with same it's, with uh, same yeah. with Aaron Eckhart's two same with Aaron Eckhart's two face. Yeah, um, this movie is just a missed opportunity. It could have okay. you know there were so many. I mean, I, if you I wanted to bring that. back for the character of Freddy Krueger, I would have brought in maybe to if it was to be anything better, bring in a Robert England as a consultant for it. Or then again, hire him back to do it. More. Well, yeah. <laughs> just exactly. bring him back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could have at least given him a cameo, but they didn't even yes. do that. Because I feel like, because I, I remember like reading one interview with him in Fangoria where he said he felt like he had felt he felt that he had gotten tired. Of, he had, had, I remember reading an interview with him in Fangoria where he said where he had grown tired of the role by that point. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, I kind of feel like this franchise, you know, now that, now that, because basically Robert Englund's not getting any younger, Wes Craven's passed away, um, I feel like this, fra- I feel like this is the one horror franchise that probably should, like, be dead. <laughs> yes, go to sleep, go to sleep. Because um, yeah, really, because really, really this franchise, you know, Robert Englund and Wes Craven made this franchise. Yeah. And unlike other, unlike the other major, like the other major slasher franchise, they was that, like, that was it. Was all that like a lo- they were the heart and soul of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, every other franchise like is you know there's six Jasons, there's you know fifteen Michael Myers. You know, it's like yeah, there's only one Freddy. That's true. Yep. There's only one Freddy, one Chucky. Yeah, um, and one Pinhead. Like, like those characters are. I, I find a lot are fine. I I think are like again those ones who have like who have faces, personalities. They're they're oh, gonna be hard to replace. Yeah. yeah. True. So I I would say the legacy um the legacy just goes on. I mean, I, I would say not put it in a graveyard, but you know, just relive this as how it is. No other remakes, just in let a, it be. I mean, even even without reintroducing new movies and new like whatever over the years, Nightmare on Elm Street will always be a popular franchise. Exactly, and it, it'll and you know in in thirty years it'll look even better because they stopped if they if, if, they, if they choose to, which I hope they do. Well, but, I mean, I mean, actually, they gave, because actually they the, they gave the rights of the franchise back to Wes Craven's estate. Yeah, and they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, uh, actually, and I feel like if, and me personally, I feel like if they're going to continue this in any form, do not make new movies. Make Make, yeah. make, uh, make make comics, make books, make video games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> or even make a um, TV series, which I would actually yeah. like to give a shout-out to. Like, to uh, yeah, see, like a prequel TV series, even. Oh, yeah. Which I'm actually going to give a little shout-out to, to um, the um, short-lived um, Nightmare Elm Street TV series, Freddy's Nightmares, yes. which was, yeah, it lasted two seasons. 
and it was like it was an anthology series that was kind of like a Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt, where we had um, Freddy played by Robert England as the host. And like I've seen many episodes, not all of them, but like the one episode I recommend is the very first one because that's like a Freddy origin um, story that was directed by legendary horror director Toby Hooper, who is famous for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or maybe Wes Craven's son Jonathan Craven can direct the next movie because he is a filmmaker himself. So. I would support that. I would support that. <laughs> okay. and, and, and there's some. can do it. Then the valley. Craven. You know, and there's some things I gotta tell you, and this is what like fans for the movie for what for what we have. You know, for us Ghostbusters fans, you know, it's been tried, and now. The fans are back in mellow because they believe in Reitman we trust. And the same thing for fans for the for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise in Craven we trust. I I, I think we all agree on that one. Yes. And to this alone, um, I am going to be putting this. We're going to be, uh, but um, actually for. Thomas, I I I I could have sworn you have. Have you met Robert England? Yes, I have actually. I've met him a total of four times. Wow, cool. What's he like? Oh, he's um very cool to meet in person. Like you know, he he's a real talker too. Like you know, he's actually really fun to talk to. And like um, I've gotten like you know quite a few autographs from him. I actually remember um. I got him to autograph this um, poster for this movie called 976 Evil, which is a movie that he directed. I, I had that I remember, movie. like, you know, how um, speechless he was when I brought that um, yeah. that poster. Like, I wish he had done more as the director, because 976 Evil was a lot of fun. So good. Oh, yeah. I agree with that, too. I think he really could have done more as a director. I know he's directed that movie. He's directed, I think, one or maybe two episodes of Freddy's Nightmares as well. And he also directed some like comedy um, horror movie called The Killer Pad, so, and that's it. And he was in Wishmaster. So. Oh yes, he was. Also had a, he also had a guest. He also had a guest appearance on Married with Children as Satan. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. And then uh, he also was on uh, Nightmare Cafe. Was uh, yes. Yep, was a TV also, show. Uh, great show. Great show. And also, you know, because I know we're all big Batman fans here. He was the voice of the Riddler on the Batman. Yes, he was. And I also want to uh, mention this, is that he actually made a little guest appearance on Goldberg's as Freddy. Oh, nice. Oh, wow, I gotta watch that episode. He can, like, you know, come back as Freddy for that one episode of Goldberg's. I think he could do another movie. He's even said okay. that he doesn't think that he um, can do just at least one more movie and he, he can retire. <laughs> I I mean, I, I would see, like, I would, if the... If they would do another Nightmare on Elm Street movie and they bring back Robert England for Freddy, then they have to really do it well. That it would be the end where it would be no way that there would be another remake or no way that they would continue because th- this would have to be the final. Let- yeah, actually, uh, so so, uh, fear, so about a decade ago, there was a combo crossover uh, that put uh, by DC and by DC and uh, Dynamite, uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from Evil yes. Dead. Yes, uh, there was actually two miniseries, but in the second miniseries, uh, like there was like something that ha- I forget, I haven't read the whole thing, but uh, it ended with uh, with one character going back in time and signing off Freddy's Freddy's warrant. Yeah, uh, 
by preventing him from becoming the Freddy Krueger we know. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's how the story ended. That's how, like, the whole series ended. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, I, Freddy is the only only character to be have a comic book published have comics published by both Marvel and DC, and that's not counting crossovers. Yeah. Because uh, Freddy had because there was a Nightmare Street comic back in the late '80s that was published by Marvel, yeah. and then uh, you know because New Line Cinema and DC are both owned by Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. So they so they so they had the so they had the publishing rights to uh, Nightmare Elm Street comics most recently. Interesting. That is very, very interesting. Um, but one more thing, Thomas. Like when you met him, did you like had uh Robert England? Did you had like a photo op with him, like in 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 his Freddy costume? Please tell me yes. <laughs> well, um, when I met him, that was actually before he was doing um photo ops with um his Freddy costume. So unfortunately, I don't. But um, I still have like you know pictures with him. Um. Um, and like, you know, when he's, when I have pictures with him, he's actually doing his Freddy pose going like this. <gasps> That's nice. awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So with this alone, I'm first, um, now going back, closing this out, we are actually going to salute two toasts tonight. One for a great, um, a great horror film director for a great franchise that we all love to the great to the great West, the late West Craven, your legacy and your films will live on from whether it's Nightmare on Elm Street to Scream to uh, Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes. Curse. No, I'm kidding. To Deadly deadly Friend. (laughs) Deadly Friend. These films will uh, will be viewed by many viewers in years to come. To West Craven. And also now to Robert England and the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Some great films to watch, not just on Halloween time, not just on, not just for Horror Month for Nostalgia Time with Kid Champagne, but through the whole year as well. You can even watch it during Christmas if you wanted to. It's still fun to watch. And I'm sure it'll be viewed with Cold Cafe. I hope Cold Cafe will be starting soon again, Matt. So to this, to the Nightmare on Elm Street fan um, film franchise, we salute you. I I want to say it's been great. I want to thank first off Thomas Buglisi for being our host tonight for this for sharing this and closing out Horror Month. Thank you for coming on for this. I know it's been a little bit, but thank you for your patience for it. I'm glad I had a fun night. I'm glad you hosted. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure um, hosting. It's been a pleasure talking about this series. I really love this series, and I um, hope there's more more fans um, out there that get a chance to um, see this franchise for the greatness that it is. Oh, me too. I also want to thank the... Um, um, the host of Cult Cafe and owner of Pickle Island in Bayville. Please check that store out. I've been over there. We have some great fun stuff. Comics and movies and toys and pins. And, of course, pickles. 
Everyone loves pickles, and hey, they are really good pickles, I'll tell you that. So thank you, Matt, for coming on. <laughs> Always a pleasure. And also, uh, Forrest Bennett, thank you for coming on after Horror Buff. And also, if you get the chance to, um, at New Jersey Film and Horror Con, which is going to be coming up uh, this coming, uh, next coming weekend, um, your, your film that you produced, um, Bloody Summer Camp, is coming. Yes, it's uh, written and directed. It's Bloody Summer Camp is written and directed by Dave Kerr, very talented filmmaker based in Virginia. Uh, and I was an associate producer on it. The movie stars uh, stars Melissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp and Dave Sheridan from uh, from Scary Movie. <laughs> oh, that's going to be awesome. And <laughs> I, I wish I could go to HorrorCon, but I can't. But uh, you know what? For what I've seen from that, from that con every time with the guests and everything for it, it actually would be a fun con to go to. And also, not last but not uh, least, uh, my good friend, the host of Unger the Radar, uh, Randy Unger. And just to let you know, Unger the Radar will be on Mondays on the Manhattan Neighbor- Neighborhood Network on the Lifestyle Channel. That is correct. Yep. And uh, also on cable TV, you can check it out on Fios 34, RCN 83, and Spectrum 56 and 1996. Thank you. And we got some great films you're reviewing this week, aren't you, Randy? Yeah. So, uh, actually, tomorrow... I'll be joining you. Yes, you'll be joining me. Uh, We're going to be reviewing Last Night in Soho, The Last Dispatch... I'm sorry, The French Dispatch, and also Mr. Matt uh, Roran will be joining, as well as our good friend uh, C.J. Oakland. So check that out tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. That's going to be awesome, and hopefully... And I, and I know this, I am joining you when it's time to review, which is coming up. And this is what we've been all been waiting for. The wait is, is coming to an end. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. That's going to be a good one. Yep. Very, very excited. And I've been saying this to you all this week. Nothing is stopping me from seeing that film. Nothing. Nothing, oh, not even a severe thunderstorm, not even a hurricane <laughs> is going to stop me. <laughs> like a, or even the coming of Vigo. That's right. <laughs> no, Vigo's joining us for it. Vigo's, Vigo's a good buddy. You know, Vigo is going to be joining us. <laughs> and also, just become coming up new on Nostalgia Time in, the next, in this coming month, we are going to be talking about the theme parks of Disney and Universal. We're going to have a little... A celebration for the 50th anniversary of Disney World. Not also that, but we will be. I will also be doing a Ghostbusters retrospective again on Nostalgia Time. Hopefully, we can get someone on it to to be interviewed. It's just going to be fun. Yes, I've talked about Ghostbusters many times, but that's Nostalgia Time. We'll talk about Ghostbusters again. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so there you have it. Thank you for listening. I am Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman. Kid Champagne signing off.